Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. And what we will discover today is still ahead of us, and you are going to love it. I don't know if you realize, but one of the things I always like to incorporate into any interview is the defining moment. Let me tell you a little bit about our defining moments. We all have them. So they're in everybody's life. And it's like a series. We have a series of defining moments. The moments that shape and change us. And they have a huge impact on our development and our choices. They aren't easy to recognize when they sometimes happen. I wish they were. When you you know when you're living through these moments, you may not even know that they're important moments. They're kind of like a blur of another blur that you're living, but yet they're marked because they're memorable. But as you look back through the lens of our hindsight, it's easier to recognize the small things that twist our life, that change our life, to turn us from one direction to another. Everything that you were could be gone because of a, of a defining moment, because it shifts your energy, it shifts your thoughts, and you become, you go or choose a different path. Everything that you believe in, everything that matters can be changed to you in a defining moment. Now, these moments are going to be unique and different for everyone. But for a lot of people, the wider features of these moments will be echoed in their other lives. I know the moments that shaped and impacted me, the ones that were tough, are going to resonate with one or two of you people. I know this because I'm not the only one who's been through them, the tough ones. Some of them are positive, some of them are negative, but that doesn't matter. It's not how those defining moments feel today. It's the way they felt that guided us at that moment. For some examples, just to jog your memory, the first time I was betrayed by a friend or the first time my heart was broken. You still know, I still know Michael broke my heart in the 12th grade, right? You got that. The first time you made your your wage, or I remember the first time I paid for my own vacation, the first love, the first date. And another one is the first, the day that President Kennedy was shot or 9-11 happened. We all know what we were doing that day. It may not have affected us 
directly, but it did affect us. Defining moments can be poignant, or they can be inspiring. They can drag your moods down when you're just uh, numb. But they're important, all the same. It's the defining moment that will influence what kind of company you start, what kind of art you'll choose, what book you'll write. It is a defining moment in who you are and in your life. If you could recognize while in the midst every single defining moment, you'd learn a lot probably. But as life would have it, we don't always recognize those at the time. So today, I will ask our guest, as I do every week, what was your defining? Name one, because we have many. But she will share with us her defining moment. Now, let me tell you about our guest, because you're going to love Dr. Jean Levine, Dr. Jerry Levine. She is a doctor of education and a doctor of philosophy. Now, I learned today the philosophy is one of the highest academic degrees that's awarded by the universities in most countries. So congratulations, Dr. Jerry, on that accomplishment. She is an educational psychologist who has been working in the Atlanta area for more than 25 years. And she's been helping children and adults reach their goals and dreams by teaching them how to better process information. She uses simple techniques to help create better brain function and self-control. Dr. Jerry is an Erlen director, certified in Erlen method, neo-feedback practitioner, and SEMA practitioner. She is a workshop facilitator, conference speaker, most recently addressing 2000 Erlen International Conference. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2017 Cancer Survivor Conference, and in 2017 Louisiana School Nursing Conference. She is a firewalker instructor. Oh, we've got to talk about that. And a graduate of Edwin Gaines Master School and Prosperity Teacher, specializing in goal setting, forgiveness, and meditation. She has another passion in that she likes to help create foundations that provide support for medical and educational programs to children in needs around the world. Awesome. So welcome, Dr. Jerry. We are so happy to have you on the show today. Thank so, you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Listen, you have you have the most impressive you have so many degrees. I'm I'm just um, amazed, and and you're into so many practices that you're just a walking encyclopedia. I'm amazed. Well, <laughs> and so I, I think we call that. I think we call that hyperactive and overachiever. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I want you to share, of course, and we might as well start with the defining moment. And I would love for you to share one of your defining moments with us today. Well, you know, I've been thinking about this since we talked. And gosh, there are so many, so many things that just tweak the path a little bit. But one of the biggest defining moments for me 
was when my mother transitioned and she had been very ill physically, mentally, she was brilliant. She was also a psychologist. She had Mm -hmm. masters in five different fields and a PhD and was just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And, and that never stopped that she was still working with clients three weeks before she transitioned. That part of her never slowed down. But physically, Uh. things had gotten very difficult, and she was in an enormous amount of pain. And so that part of the transition was was difficult and painful, and it was hard to watch and all of those things that are difficult when you love someone who's just not happy being in a physical form any longer. And so once we got through all of that, you know, I had been taking care of her physically for about five years and our process of transition took several weeks with hospice. And Mm. so I hadn't thought about the future and I hadn't thought about what I was going to do. And I was 43 years old and Mm -hmm. the oldest of two children and my family is not very tight. It's not very close. I'm there aren't a lot of cousins and relatives and nieces and nephews and that kind of thing. And so it's just kind of my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And when the dust started to settle, I just felt this huge void. And I had mm-hmm. a practice. I was already in practice. But I realized in that moment that my first 43 years on this planet had all been about taking care of someone else. Mm-hmm. A husband or a child mm-hmm. or a parent or a grandparent or a client or a patient. And there hadn't mm-hmm. really been a lot of focus on me. Yes. And it was a huge step because I felt so lost. And I felt just like I was, you know, no anchor, no structure. And I grew up in the Methodist church. I have a great relationship with God. It's very different than it was when I was in my 40s, but I had access to that connection, but Mm -hmm. I just felt so unfulfilled, personally. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it was a couple of months after mom had died, and I was starting to clean her office and go through her things, and, you know, and I was such a wimp. I mean, I could work for like 30 minutes in her bookcase and I'd get a stomachache and I'd have to quit. You know, (laughs) it was one of those. And I'd go back and I could work another hour and my stomach start to hurt and I'd have to quit, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just really still processing a lot of grief. And so one day I'm in there and I'm trying to box things up and, and I'm just, you know, give me a sign. Spirit, just tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm crying and I'm feeling so sorry for myself and mm-hmm. you know all of this and I am putting cassette tapes in a box and mm-hmm. the box is not full and I put this set of cassette tapes in the box and literally those cassette tapes jump out and they slam down onto the hardwood floor well it's not <laughs> like they tipped out of the top of a the box they jumped out of the box 
<laughs> and I'm crying and I'm wailing and I'm carrying on. And I take them up and I look at them. Edwin Gaines, I don't know what that's about. I put them back in the box going, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. <laughs> Hello. And those, right? And those darn, that cassette box jumped out of the box again and yeah. landed on the floor. Oh, my god. And I goodness. thought, okay, right? And I picked right. it up. And I thought, what is this? And so we, I told you, we grew up in the Methodist church. And um, is, in my opinion, the Methodist church is uh, one of the slackest fundamental religions. And so going to New Thought and some other disciplines was not a huge jump for me. <laughs> and so my mother had gotten into the New Thought community in Atlanta in the mid eighties. Mm -hmm. And so I had, at the time I still had a cassette player in my car. It was the only place I had a cassette player. I had to go sit in the car and see what the cassettes were about. And yes. I started listening and it was Edwin's very first cassette that is, you know, her, her basic story. And mm -hmm. when I started listening to that immediately, I went, Oh, I remember my mother used to make me listen to her. You know, mom had known Edwin back in the 80s and had worked with her some. And I thought, oh, I remember this woman. Mom made me drive around and listen to her all the time when we were in the car together. And, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm going through all that. And then I start listening. And she just made so much sense. And she just started to give me the space to just feel okay about where I was and where I was going and how that this whole second half of my life could be my adventure. Yes. That I would get to choose what to do and that I could make some decisions based on what was best for me, not necessarily everybody else. And so I, I drove, good grief, man, I think I drove all the way to Dahlonega and back listening to this cassette <laughs> that first day, and I got home, and I thought, you know, this woman might not even be alive anymore. <laughs> and so I went and looked her up online, and sure enough, she had a retreat center about two hours from me in northeast Alabama. And I wow. ordered, you know, I'm not impulsive at all. I ordered everything she'd ever done, you know, on that day yeah. from the website. Right. And back in those days, she didn't do a lot of retreats. She probably did three or four a year. And I had just yeah. missed the fall retreat. And there wasn't another one until February. And so I signed up for that. And, and she was only charging $95 for a weekend retreat. Yeah. And I'm thinking... You know, the snob in me is thinking, well, what am I going to get for $95, you know, right? And so I get there, and I just fell in love with her immediately. She, she's a very strong, she's, she's a very strong woman, and she's very straightforward, and she's very in your face, and she's very quick to tell you when she thinks that you're screwing up and all of those kinds of things. And that's my mm -hmm. kind of teacher. Mm -hmm. If you're too nice to me, I'm not going to listen. And right. so it was just such a perfect combination. And I just fell in love with her. And it just started this whole 
new journey for me that it was a good thing to take care of myself and that it was important to work smarter, not harder. And working hard wasn't necessarily the goal. I mean, there were so many lessons just right from the beginning that, you know, I, my, I come from a Scottish background. You work yourself to death and then you don't complain about any of that. And so it was so fascinating to think that, wait a minute, I don't have to work so hard and it's okay. And, and all of that seems so simple now. Mm-hmm. But at the at the time, it was just mind-blowing to me that I could have a life that was fun and easy. Mm-hmm. And now, what is this, 13 years later, I have an amazingly fun and easy life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I mean, it was such a turning point for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Strong, yes. I love the, you know? this set of CDs drops. Jumping out of that box. I mean, and honey, that taught me, you know, I had always been taught to look for signs, look for signs, mm-hmm. ask for what you want. I had been taught that. I didn't use it. But in that moment, that anchored something for me neurologically that just really strengthened the idea that I am supported and I am loved. And and all I have to do is ask for what I desire and re- require. Yes. Uh, now, Edwin Gaines, for those listeners out there that are not familiar with her, she wrote a book. Now, you please uh, supplement this description I'm going to give. She wrote a okay. book of the four, uh, what's the title? The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. Yes. And it talks about her journey. Now, she started this journey in her, when she was a young mother, uh, first child and single and she had been married I think and divorced and she was recreating her life and she had no money and so the laws were given to her or Jerry, Dr. Jerry she became she became a unity minister okay and when she became a unity minister at that time, it kind of opened up a whole new world for her and a different way of looking at life and the laws of the universe and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And through that work and through other work that she's done individually, she believes that these four laws, tithing, forgiving, setting goals, and getting on purpose, mm-hmm. that once you come to terms with those four laws or those four universal agreements that life will sometimes level out, you know, that, that we can create more of what we want. Right. Um, and it's just really um, powerful when Dr. Jerry and I were visiting yesterday and I was reading her bio and everything. I was introduced to this book a couple of years ago, and um, so I revisited it yesterday and uh, you know when you you are given these these old hints along life and where it didn't really catch my attention before it really caught it yesterday and um so anyway you can go to listen to her on youtube her name is edween e-d-w-e-n-e gaines 
capital G-A-I-N-E-S. You can go to YouTube. You can listen to her talk there. And she's so funny in her delivery that she's not only is she full of worthy, great information, but she's also fun. And she's <laughs> she's got that Southern, much more Southern than I, um, voice. And so she's really... Um, fascinating fun to listen to and you're right i saw her talk to a couple people that got up and asked questions about situations in their life and she is she's very clear and concise with her answers and um you know told a couple that they needed to take responsibility and make a change like if you're hanging out with the wrong crowd then don't expect the crowd to change you need to change so all sorts of good information like them. But she still, and you shared with me, um, Dr. Jerry, that she is, this is her last year to do live uh, workshops. At least at the level at which she has been doing them, yes. Mm-hmm. So her website is prosperityproducts.com, mm-hmm. and she has three retreats left this year, one in September, one in October, and one in November. And Mm -hmm. they are weekend retreats that usually, weather permitting, will include a firewalk, the opportunity to do a firewalk. And that's, that's a fun, that's a fun way to challenge your fears in a completely different way. Than, than we tend to do in, in our daily lives. So it's so, a lot of information in a short amount of time. People come from all over the world. It's usually a very fascinating crowd, you know, and and just a really nice retreat and great information. Mm-hmm. Now, since you mentioned the firewalk, tell us what that is, as you are an instructor for that. So I am. I'm a certified firewalk instructor. I trained with Tali Burkan, who's in California. Tali is the father of the firewalking movement in this country. And he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He, too, has now retired and given the firewalking institute on to someone else. But he's still heavily involved in in their Mm day-to-day. So firewalking is... When we go together and we build a fire, now my fires are very different than some of the others that people may have heard of. Tony Robbins does a lot of fire walks and different people. Mine's very different. This is a very spiritual experience. It's about listening to your higher self, your God, your higher power. It's, it's learning how to separate those voices of sabotage or fear or what is really truly inspiration, what is really truly divine connection. That's Mm -hmm. the purpose for me in firewalking is to help people become more connected to their source. And so we go out and we build a fire together because I want everyone's energy in that wood, in that fire. So we build it together. Mm-hmm. And people can put prayers into the logs as they go into, you know, we, we build a tower and then 
we set it on fire. Everybody stands there for a few minutes because I want them to know this is a real fire. It's not a fake fire. Mm-hmm. You know, we're really going to do this. <laughs> and then I have uh, really amazing fire tenders. I tend fire for Edwin's fires now with the help of, of Kelly Twilly and some other people that she has there. And then when I'm leading a fire walk, I have amazing fire tenders that stay and very reverently tend that fire for the two, two and a half hours that it takes for that wood to burn down into coals while we go back up and do a, a whole workshop around walking on fire. And so Hello? once the fire, once the fire burns down, we rake it out into coals and tamp it down and then we come back out and while we're in the workshop, I have people that while we're, while we're doing different, it only takes me about 10 minutes to teach you how to walk on fire, but it takes about two and a half hours for the wood to burn. Right. Yes. So we have to entertain ourselves. <laughs> yes. And so one of the things we do is that we write things we want to release, things we want to create. And then when we go back out to walk, we give those papers to the fire. Oh. And so we get to yeah. release some things, we get to put some energy in the creation of some new things, yeah. and then we rake it out, and we're chanting as we walk around that fire, we're chanting, and you're asking yourself, is this mine to do? Mm-hmm. Is this mine to do? Is this mine to do? Is this the right thing for me to be doing at this time? And mm-hmm. if you get a yes, and you walk up in front of that fire, it's it's a runway, it's it's raked out into a runway, it's about six feet long. And I have two fire tenders at the other end who will catch you as you come off and you step into this little pail of water just to make sure there's not an ember or something that's stuck to the bottom of your foot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just the most amazing practice to me. I've walked mm-hmm. hundreds of times. Every time I get to the front of that fire, I'm always fearful. There's always mm-hmm. some level of fear. It doesn't matter how many times I've done it. I've never walked this fire. I've never Mm -hmm. walked for these reasons. I've never been this person, right? Right. So it's different every time. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I like, I have firewalked once, and it was, the time had to be right for me, and it was, and it was last year. But that's interesting that when I walk with you, hopefully in the future, that I'll go through the same fear that may have been with me that initial walk, that it's just part of the process. But to know I have the knowledge now, knowing I can walk across those coals rapidly, and I assume you say affirmations, I I did in my my walk, but um, that you can actually do that without burning your feet. I mean, that is I, possible. Absolutely. I have had five-year-olds walk and 95-year-olds walk, and I have never, in 12 years, I have never had a person burn at one of my fires. That's, a, that's worth saying. That's great. That is so great. Well, we are going to take a short break now and go to a little commercial. But as you can see, Dr. Jerry is fascinating. She has a wealth of information. And I love the story about the jumping CD pack that keeps coming out. How many times do we see those messages and we just pick them up, put them back on the shelf, never take them in as here we've asked for a message 
and then it comes, and then we just absentmindedly put it back. It's just fascinating how the energies, the things we ask for actually come, and we're not prepared and not alert. So I think that's fascinating. But we are going to take a short break now, and I'll be anxious to get back so we can talk more with Dr. Jerry. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Well, welcome back. And aren't you happy to be here or listening to this this program today. How many of you took a little thought there about could you actually walk on fire? Did you get excited about it? Did it just absolutely freeze your brain to think about doing something? But I have to share with you <clears throat> the feeling that I had after I did that walk. It was like I was empowered. I could take off and do whatever I wanted to do, just knowing I had done that walk. It was the most interesting and fabulous experience. So there is valuable in facing our fears, no matter how they how we face them or what they are. So I just put the two plug two cent plug in on the benefits of facing things like that physical things like that, that are one-time challenges, could be repetitive challenges, but they are important and giving you strength and support as you go through your life. So, well, and Dr. can I, can George, real quick, can I add one thing to that? Sure. Because one of the nicest things about a firewalk is that you cannot do it wrong. So if I show up to a firewalk and I get a clear message that I can walk, that this is okay for me to do, and I choose not to walk out of fear, mm-hmm. that shows me something. That shows me, because walking on fire is a metaphor for how we get walk through life. 
So if mm-hmm. I choose not to walk out of fear, knowing that I've been given the guidance that it's okay, I learned mm-hmm. something. And if yeah. I walk, given the guidance that it's okay, and I walk, I learn something because it's, it's a whole level of power that it's hard for me to explain. And then when somebody gets a no, this is not necessary, this is not yours to do, especially when it's somebody who has been working through ego or tends to follow the crowd, gets worried mm-hmm. what people are going to think about them, that kind of thing. And when they get a no and they don't walk, that is sometimes more powerful than walking Mm. because they stood in their own power. And so whether somebody actually walks or not is not necessarily even the point for me, but to have the experience of making that choice and knowing what avenue is yours, I think Mm -hmm. is worth months and months and months of therapy. And you get to do the whole thing in like 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm having a little throat issue here. It is It is amazing. For me, I'm, my mind already said I'm going to walk. So, And I could see for me, if I decided not to, I would, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I could see that could, and feeling good about making that decision after you come to it, knowing it's going to happen. That's an interesting thing, Dr. Jaron. Interesting. I'm going to take a little switch now and talk about some of the other interesting areas that you spend your life in. You know, so many of us these days hear about the brain, the brain, the brain. It's like it's moved into the light. Um, And maybe for me, because I'm listening to all of these programs come on the Internet, uh, TV, the talk all around, take this vitamin, that vitamin to help your brain. What is it that has brought this so to the forefront of our lives? Much more now than it seems to have been in the past. Or maybe it's because I'm at the age where I'm seeing the, the importance of our brain. I don't know. Help me. Okay, I think it is definitely more at the front forefront of our lives. The one of the reasons I went back to school is when I did my first when I did my first graduate program, the science building was on one end of the campus and the psychology building was on the other end of the campus and the only course I had to take was basic biology. And mm. now it's all biology. We're, we're so better able to map the brain. We're so better able to understand what's happening in the brain real time. You know, like we've been told, we've been told things like we only use 10% of our brain. Mm-hmm. Nothing could be further from the truth. We use oh, 100% of our brains. We just don't use 100%, 100% of the time. Oh, okay. Right? So there are all kinds of myths. There are all kinds of misinformation that we've been given just because we didn't have the science. We didn't have the technology to really understand what's going on in the brain. And Mm -hmm. so as more of that technology comes out, the more information it becomes available. And it's just so fascinating to me 
the science of it I love. Hence mm-hmm. one of the reasons I went back to school and did a, another degree that had a lot of emphasis in neuropsychology because that's my that's my thing. That's my job is to mm-hmm. help people find a way to make their brains work the way they want them to. Mm-hmm. And and so that can include a multitude of different modalities. I am I am clinically trained. I am probably traditionally trained initially, but most of the therapies that I do at this point are are more outside the box. I do not want to spend six months talking about your mama. I want (laughs) to figure out how to balance your system and allow you to go out and create the life that you want. Mm -hmm. And one of the most interesting things I think that we have learned is how sensitive the brain is and how quickly it responds. So I want to give you a little story about how, how that happens. Mm-hmm. So my friend and I are walking through the airport in Newark at about 11 o'clock one night. And you got, you've heard of Cinnabon, right? The Cinnabon people? Mm-hmm. Yes. They spend an enormous amount of money on their placement in a mall, in an airport, any time you see them, they have spent tons of money getting that exact location. They really? have vents. Yes. They have vents in the store that blow out all that buttery, cinnamon, oh. sugary goodness. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they are programming you from the moment you step into whatever area they're in. And mm-hmm. so we're walking through the airport. And my friend says, do you smell that? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I do. And I am walking with this woman who is, you know, she was a yogini in India for years and lived in ashrams. And she's so graceful and so beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm schlepping along beside her, you know, like the yak carrying all the stuff, the Sherpa. And it's so funny. And she said, oh, and I said, well, I look at the watch and I said, well, you've got time. If you want to go get one of those, go ahead. We have time. And she said, oh, Jerry, no, no, no. The gluten and the sugar and that, that would just, that would not be good for me. But doesn't it just smell wonderful? (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, wow, you have a really well-developed prefrontal cortex. (laughs) And she said, And she said, thank you. What does that mean? And so here's what happens. Here's what our brains do. So the the brain, the amygdala is the small almond-shaped part of the brain down almost in the center of your brain. It's part of the old brain. It's part of the reptilian brain. It is what has kept us alive. Mm -hmm. And we are not sitting here because our ancestors were were highly developed, except that we're sitting here because our ancestors were really good fear-based mammals that could get away from dangers when they appeared. Mm -hmm. They did not get eaten by predators, and they did not set themselves on fire. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're sitting here. We are fear-based creatures. And so as we have developed more and more brain, there becomes this tug-of-war between the old and the new, between maintaining our survival and living our, to our fullest. And mm-hmm. this, is, this is the internal struggle. 
And so that amygdala says, go get, go get a Cinnabon. It's mm-hmm. time to eat. You need something to eat because the amygdala's job is to keep you alive. And so the, 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 the amygdala says, go get the Cinnabon. And the prefrontal cortex, that newest part of your brain, says, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not a good idea. We read that article on sugar and we know how bad it is. And what about the skinny jeans? You made a deal with me. No, mm-hmm. you don't need a Cinnabon. And the amygdala mm-hmm. says, come on, go get a Cinnabon. And so it gets frustrated with the prefrontal cortex, and it releases this huge rush of dopamine. Well, uh-huh. what does the dopamine do? <laughs> it distracts the prefrontal cortex. Uh-huh. And so the, the, the amygdala says, now go. Quickly, while we're distracted, <laughs> go get the Cinnabon. And the prefrontal cortex, if it's strong enough, will clear and say, no, absolutely not. This is not something that's good for us. Mm-hmm. And the amygdala is like, man, you've got to quit doing these breathing exercises because <laughs> the prefrontal cortex is getting way too strong. And the amygdala doesn't care what you eat, but nobody's standing there with a stock of celery waving it at you, right? Mm -hmm. So the Cinnabon is the thing that the brain has picked up on, and that's what the amygdala is trying to get you to. And so the amygdala says, okay, I I can work around you. And there is this enormous blood sugar drop. There's a blood pressure drop that creates a blood sugar drop, and it's instantaneous. And the amygdala says, see, we're dying. Get over there and eat a Cinnabon. And literally... Four minutes later, later, you're standing there with sticky lips and a receipt in your hand, not exactly sure of what happened. And, and so when we're not working from the three brains working together, when we're not working from that highest part of the brain, we're in that survival mode. Mm. And a lot of times as we're going through transition, as we're facing those defining moments, Mm-hmm. When we're in those times that we just think there is absolutely no light at the end of the tunnel, and if there is a light, it's a train, mm-hmm. then those are those times that we're living from that amygdala. We are living from the anxiety. We are living from that space of hypervigilance of how do I stay alive just one more day. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, yeah. or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, Where thought goes, energy flows. You've heard that? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, where thought goes, neurotransmitters go. And so we develop the pathways where we spend the most time. And if we spend the most time looking for the next problem, if we spend Mm -hmm. the most time looking for the next disaster, Mm -hmm. then that's what we create because that's what we see. The brain saw in that moment a Cinnabon. It did not see any other option. It saw the first thing that was available because I have to keep you alive. And if we're Mm -hmm. working from that space of staying alive, then we see the first thing. And if we're used to seeing the damage, if we're used to seeing the discord, if we're used to seeing the problem, Mm -hmm. then that's what what we're in. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, does that apply also to all of the addictions, like the drug, the chemicals, the the shopping, the all of those addictions, or is it just to the survival? Do we see addictions as survival techniques? 
Oh, wow. What a good question. I think there was a component of that. Absolutely. Yeah. The amygdala works. <laughs> to, the amygdala will work to support those areas that, that, that create discord and fear and turmoil. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. With, with addiction, we're also dealing with some other areas of the brain. We're dealing with a pleasure center where that switch gets flipped and it's hard to then ever turn it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we keep having to create these dopamine dumps. And mm. sadly, when we, when we don't know how to create a dopamine dump on our own, then we will look for ways to do that. And sometimes that's shopping and sometimes that's drugs and sometimes that's sexual behavior and sometimes mm-hmm. that's exercise. You know, there are lots of different ways that we can create dopamine. But when we don't know effective ways of doing it ourselves, and I do a whole workshop on how to create dopamine in really positive ways. Mm-hmm. Because because we do spend time, and then that chemical imbalance gets so far out of balance that the addiction kind of takes over. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Oh my gosh, that is so yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and there there's some really easy ways to to kind of to change, you know, that, that dopamine level and to create a dopamine level when, when you need one, you know, when you need something to kind of help balance things out. Many of the people I work with are dealing with depression or anxiety, you mm-hmm. know, where they're just not feeling like they're in control of the brain. And there are some really easy things like um, finding something new, whether it's a, a new restaurant or a new trail to walk or a new artist to go enjoy in Mm -hmm. the museum, you know, those kinds of things, just finding something new Mm -hmm. will create a dopamine dump, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Writing down really small tasks. And people are funny. People don't want to write down the tasks that they know they're going to complete in the day. Like when you go to write your day, Sometimes it's hard to write those that you know for sure you're going to get completed because why bother? Those oh. are the most important ones to write. Because well, I the, love, the, the, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I love checking them off. <laughs> exactly. And your brain loves checking them off. <laughs> and every time you do that, you create a dopamine dump. Hmm. And so it's so important to write down the ones that you know you'll do because for sure those get checked off. And little things like that are so satisfying. Anytime there is a feeling of satisfaction, you've created mm-hmm. dopamine. Mm, yeah. And so we just want to learn to do it in areas that are really healthy and positive. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Listening mm-hmm. to music. Will help. Will release. Will release dopamine as a response. Music you enjoy, of course, mm-hmm. and even the anticipation of hearing music when you have tickets to a concert or to the symphony or or a play that's a musical. Any of those kinds of things. When you have the anticipation of hearing that music, that too mm-hmm. will increase dopamine. 
Just the anticipation. I guess that's just part of the, the anticipation. The yeah, anticipation. because that's satisfying, right? To yeah. think about something you want to go do, sure. Right. Yeah. Well, I always thought I, I love to travel, and you know, part of the trip. I've always said part of the trip is packing the bag. It's the week before that you get to put all this great creativity into how am I going to get all this in the bag, type of thing. <laughs> And the, you know the right. expectations of what it's going to be like, and and that's part of the, for me, that's part of the trip, you know. Exactly. So, so exactly. And then along came the airlines. <laughs> <laughs> the airlines are destroying that picture. <laughs> but anyway, it's the fun part. Now. That it. I mean, we could talk so long on that, and and I have so many questions. But one of the things okay. I'm, I see that happens now, particularly in my friends that are fifties and so forth, and they they are experiencing so much. Well, not only them, but everybody is experiencing far more stress and fatigue and brain exhaustion just because of all the all the things that we have hitting us every day i mean taking our attention away and it's hard to stay on focus um so is is that more of practice or do you need how do you calm that brain to help us function better we have to take ourselves out of the mainstream which is bombarding us all the time with uh, energy and and confusion. So how do we do that? Oh, that- okay. Well, you, you hit on a couple of things right there. You want to take some time to separate. You want to take some time to get away from the, the screens and the politics and the, the noise and and you it's really nice to spend some time barefoot, as silly as some of this stuff sounds, that's why it just always surprises me so much when people are resistant because there's nothing that I would teach that isn't so simple to do. You do not have to go and find a cave in the Himalayas and, you know, eat, you know, acorns or whatever they have for (laughs) six months in order to to get it together. Spend 15 minutes with your feet in the grass. Have a blood Simple. test and make sure that your vitamin D levels are appropriate. Almost mm-hmm. every American is vitamin D deficient. Really? Vitamin D, yes. And people say, well, I stood in the sun for a few minutes. I got vitamin D. The only mm-hmm. vitamin D receptors in the body are at the low on the chest or mm. low on the upper back, like right above your bra line. Really? So unless you're in a bathing suit or a tank top, you're not really taking in a whole lot of vitamin D from the sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a, a vitamin D supplement is a really good idea that helps balance brain activity. And is there and a recommended dosage? Or is that... According to body weight or something like it's a, that. It's according to, to body weight and, and and those kinds of things. And your physician or your health care provider can help you determine yeah. those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. 
but almost every American is vitamin D deficient, and vitamin D is helpful from the way we process foods to the way we process information in the brain. It's super important. Mm. And that's a super easy way to kind of start to balance things out. Yeah. Spending some time in meditation. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be, you know, 45 minutes in an ashram and no, take five. If you have five minutes, then take five minutes and just Mm. breathe. There's a really great breathing activity and we can get into more of these next time, but there's a really great one that's based on some Harvard research and it's so simple. It is five counts in, five counts out, just breathing through the nose, five counts in, Mm. Five counts out. You want to reduce your breath to no more than six breaths a minute. And if you can get it down to three or four breaths a minute, even better. So if you can, if you can breathe in for eight and out for eight, you want to keep them balanced. Mm-hmm. So for however long, how many counts you breathe in, you want to breathe out for that same number of counts. And in the Harvard studies, they used 20-minute sessions three times a week. And in 11 hours, the participants had created more gray matter in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. Really? Yes. And that's that part of the brain that will control the amygdala. It's another Mm -hmm. part of the brain that will help control the anxiety. So the stronger the connections to the prefrontal cortex, the easier it is to stay balanced. And so it's no more than six breaths a minute, and you don't even have to do it for the amount of times that the study said. If you're sitting at a traffic light and mm-hmm. you just do that for a couple of minutes, if you're in the shower, if you're watching a television show and you can do it during the commercial yeah. while you're sitting in traffic, it doesn't have to – we get hung up in that we can't do something because we can't adhere to the schedule. There's not mm-hmm. any schedule with this. You Mm. breathe appropriately when you can, and it Mm -hmm. will begin to ease tension in the brain. Awesome. Gee, that's so easy. There's not an excuse that somebody couldn't do that. Really? exactly. Really, and the benefits are so good. Well worth it. Now, I want to share something with our listeners. Guess what? Dr. Jerry is going to be with us next week as well. So she has so much, as I looked at all of the things that she had, I just said, there's no way, there's no way, we need more time. So she has graciously um, agreed to come back because we do have some, she has so much more to tell us about Brain Gym, Erlen Method, some meditation, some more breathing. I mean, it's so, she has so much that you can implement into your life Today, after the show, we can all go breathe, can't we? Yeah, something so simple to help our health. So, um, Dr. Jerry, tell us how people can go to your website and uh, find out more about you. Okay, on the website, the website is efficientbrain.com. So, you can Google Efficient Brain, you can Google Jerry Levine, It'll get you there. 
Okay. And I have a couple of things on the website. There is a learning styles inventory. There's a quiz that people can take to determine their learning styles, how they process mm-hmm. information consciously, yes. subconsciously, and unconsciously. And that's always helpful to know. And we can talk a little bit next week about why that information is so important when we're communicating sure. with others. Sure. And I have a, we talked a little bit today about the three brains and how to make the whole brain work together. And I have a meditation that is not available in this moment, but within the next few days will be available on the website for free for your listeners to download and to use when they can get, um, and it's a really short one. It's less than 15 minutes. So it's it's doable. And they can use that when they have some time. Well, we are quickly running to the end of our hour, so I wanted to go to her website, see all that she has there. I want to take the test just because I'm always so fascinated in learning more about myself. So how I um, learn and take in information is always important. So I... I just can't tell you how much I've enjoyed today's program, um, and I walk away with a little more knowledge. So I'm looking forward to next week as well. So um, I hope you all, you, the listeners out there, will join Dr. Jerry and I next week as we continue, as she continues to share great information that you can put into your day today so that tomorrow will be better and more beneficial for you. So thank you, Dr. Jerry. We will see you next week, and I'm so looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Joyce. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Okay. So until next week, remember, we're going to have Dr. Jerry with us and go to her website so that you can start getting the benefits she's offered to us today and start breathing. Okay. See you next week. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 